Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation Avenue podcast. Folks, I'm happy to be back with you recording another episode of our wonderful podcast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in this week, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy uh, this topic we talk about. Uh, my name is Brandon Piscopo. I am your host. Uh, so, folks, uh, before we dive right in, a few announcements, and then uh, we'll get started. So, everybody, uh, on the day I'm recording this, January 15th, is the, marks the 14th anniversary of the Miracle on the Hudson, where Captain Sully Sullenberger had to land his disabled airplane onto the Hudson River after a bird strike uh, uh, lost all the power and thrust in the engines. Uh, miraculously, all 150 people survived this uh this flight that took off from New York's LaGuardia Airport that was heading to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, there's actually a really great movie about this that came out in 2016 called Sully. It tells the story of this uh, wonderful and but tragic yet and unavoidable unav- um, event. I mean, not really avoidable, but like still, because lose engine power, you have no thrust. So... Really, I thank that guy for what he did, and I'm grateful to him that all those people survived on board. And, uh, yeah, so everybody, today we're going to be discussing the B-26 Marauder. Uh, this is a, this is a uh, medium-weight bomber uh, that was used uh, precisely in World War II. Our special guest, Chuck Kennedy, is going to be giving us, uh, or is talking about this aircraft, is going to be talking about this aircraft with us uh we hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you guys on the backhand hope hope you enjoy it hi my name's chuck kennedy i'm a crew member on the uh douglas b26k special k the only b26k in the world flying it was produced by douglas aircraft in 1944 and it was modified by onmark engineering in 1964 to its original state now uh The airplane is equipped still with the uh, guns. They are replicas, of course. The uh, ammo boxes and the feed chutes. Uh, Each box carried 350 rounds. Uh, The feed chutes carried about 40 to 50 rounds, depending on how long they were to the gun. A lot of ammo, a lot of firepower. So the airplane uh, weighs, as it sits, about 32,000 pounds, empty weight. It still has all of the armor plating on the airplane. That was never taken off. It's uh, all in the original state. Uh, all this right here is the armor plating. It goes all the way down the side of the airplane on this side because this is the main electrical bus bar for the airplane, so they had to protect it. This is the uh, pitot tube for airspeed. Right here. The gun nose is the eight gun gun nose. They had different ones. This is the eight gun on mark gun nose. Uh, after the guns were fired, all the brass was displaced. It went down in here inside this, and when the airplane came back from its mission, they'd back a little trailer up underneath here, loosen this up, and dump all the brass out of the compartment where the brass went down to feed chutes into the bottom. So that's how that was done, and they clean it all out, get ready for the next mission. So this is the other side uh, of the gun bay. It's got the same panel on it. Uh, Nose gear is your uh, 
typical uh, B-26 nose gear with the scissors. Uh, they have to be unhooked uh, to tow the airplane and hooked back up before the airplane taxis and, and flies, of course. This is the, uh, the armament panel that the armors would write down on the airplane what the airplane was carrying for that mission. So our armorer guy, Lefty, he's the one that wrote all that up. He's the actual armor on this airplane uh, back in the 60s. He crewed this airplane as, a, as one of the weapons guys. So we're glad to have him as one of the crew members. He's a very big asset. We love him. Uh, so he, he does all that. Uh, he tells us all about the weapons and all that good stuff, how to hang them and lock them and stuff. So he's, he's great. So we've got a crew, the original crew ladder is right here. We don't use it because we're not young guys like those guys were back in the 60s. So anyway, uh, deploy the ladder and then you'd shimmy up that ladder, grab a hold of those handholds, grab the back of the canopy and swing up on the wing. So a few of us have tried it and I don't like doing it, but that's okay. So anyway, that's the original part of the airplane there. Uh, still works, still operates. Uh, the engines on the airplane are Pratt & Whitney R2800 double WASP, 18-cylinder engines, a little shy of 2,500 horsepower piece. Uh, the propellers on the airplane was part of the modification. Uh, these are cut-down DC-6 props. They move a lot of air. Uh, the airplane is pretty fast. So the exhaust stacks on, on each engine are here and there's nine of them each exhaust stack goes to two cylinders there's a extender tube for the front cylinder that comes back and meets up with the front surfaces of the uh, the stack and then the, the bottom one hooks to the rear cylinder so they all hook together there's two cylinders per stack and there's nine stacks uh, the cow flaps are operated from the cockpit uh, they're fully open now. Uh, usually on takeoff, we'll uh, close them to a quarter. When we're in cruise, we'll probably close them all the way up, just for aerodynamics. Right there, where the plug is, that is the air intake for the oil cooler. Each side has its own oil cooler for each engine. We have to keep the oil cool. We have temp gauges inside the airplane. and um, We like to stay in the green. So on both sides, we can adjust this by the switch has a auto or close or open. So we can do it manually, put it in auto, and it'll do it automatically for us. So this is the air exhaust for the airflow to go through the oil cooler. It's just like a radiator. So basically, it's got a screen on the back of it, and it looks like a radiator. So the air goes through there, cools the oil. The oil circulates through that, goes back in the oil tank, which each side behind each engine up in here, there's a 30-gallon oil tank for each side. So that's the circulation. Then it circulates back into the engine through the oil cooler back into the tank. That's the circulation. So, like I said, one on each side. The weapons on the airplane... These are the weapons uh, that the airplane usually carried in Southeast Asia. So the napalm tank, this is a cargo pod. It's been converted. 500-pound Mark 82 bomb. 
this is a bombment dispenser for anti-personnel. So with both of these going down to a target, and there's a field down there they need to clear, so they would operate both of these at the same time, and they could just about clear a football field with these. It dropped out, it punched out small bomblets about that big around, and they had shrapnel and stuff in them, so that's what those are for. They flew with the uh, seven count or nine count, 2.75 uh, rockets. So this is a seven count here. Uh, each wing has its tip tank. That was part of the on-mark conversion. Uh, the B models don't have the, uh, the tip tanks. Those are 165 gallons, 155 usable fuel. So we can't land with fuel in those tanks per the Air Force TO, which is too heavy. So if you'll notice back there on the back of the tank, there's a little nozzle back there. So there is a switch in the cockpit that if we still have fuel and we have to land, uh, we have to jettison that fuel. We cannot land with heavy fuel in that tip. It's too much stress on the wing. So the wing itself, that's another modification by Onmark. Part of it was uh, the stainless steel straps that go the full length of the wing under the spar. And they are on top of the wing and the bottom. The wing is sandwiched in between them. So they were getting a lot of stress on the wings way back in the day. So this was the answer to that. Uh, the aircraft in the B model version before they did this, uh, Mark did this, was uh, the bomb load was 4,000 pounds. After they did this to the airplane and remodified it, the airplane could carry 12,000 pounds of ordnance. 4,000 on each wing and 4,000 in the bomb bay. Quite a difference. Quite a difference. So this is the aft compartment. This is where actually the aft gunner set back in World War II. There was a turret on the airplane here and a turn on top. So he operated both turrets with a periscope manually and manually operated the guns, only using the periscope. So he sat on a little bench back here, is what we were told. So anyway, that's not used for that in, in this configuration. So uh, we, have a, uh, we have a seat back here that was donated to us so that we could carry two more crew members. Uh, it's a pretty nice seat, actually. It's an executive helicopter seat, I believe. So anyway, uh, we call this business class back here. <laughs> That's kind of what we call it. So we can, we can carry two back here, and the crew in the cockpit is three. Pilot, co-pilot, flight engineer. So that's what we try to carry is five. Uh, working an air show with... Just three people or four people is pretty tough. So if we can carry five, that's what we need to do. And that's all we can carry. Uh, it has a operational bomb bay, so we can't put anything in there but just stuff up on the sides to carry. Uh, bomb bay doors are operational. Everything's operational. Uh, the tail on this airplane uh, was remodified from a B model because of the larger displacement engines and the larger props. So the rudder... Uh, and vertical fan was extended, and they also put vortex generators on this side because the left engine is critical. If we lose the left engine, you've got to have all you can get 
on the right rudder of this airplane to keep it flying. So that was one of their conversions because of the bigger engine displacement and, and the bigger props. All the lights, strobes, and nav lights here. Radio and nav antennas. Uh, we actually put this window in. There's a hatch that goes here, but we needed a window. So each person back here can watch the engine and the landing gear. So that's our observation for takeoff landing and, and whatever. If we see anything back here, then we can call up to the cockpit and say, hey, we got something going on, and that's good. These guys are, you know, back here for a reason. So uh, once again, this part of the uh, armor plating right here. Fire bottles for each engine is in this nacelle. One and two. Blowout disc are here. So we've got at least one good shot of putting the fire out on each engine. So on this side, the same thing. We have the oil cooler, the intake, and the exhaust for the oil cooler on this side. Same weapon arrangement as we have on the other side, of course. Landing lights on both wings, uh, they, they drop down uh, when you turn them on. Uh, there's, a, there's a motor in there that drops them down and points. One, one points forward a little more than the other one, taxi and you know landing or takeoff to give you a better view of the runway. The airplane is uh, one of the first for uh, Fowler flaps. Uh, the flaps on this airplane are unique. The wing itself is unique. It's a, uh, it's a wing that's similar to the P-51 Mustang wing. Laminar flow wing, it, uh, it pretty much, when you've got the airplane in a dive, if you trim it, the airplane stays right there. You don't have to re-trim it. It stays exactly where you point it. And that was good because the guys back in the day, they didn't need to be fighting the elevator or anything. They need to point the airplane, get on the guns, or get ready to drop the weapons. You know, they don't need to be fooling with that. So uh, that's, that's a unique part of it. Once again, the tip tank. Uh, unique thing about this jettison system is you see this little air scoop right here. So if you flip the switch in the cockpit, we're flying. So that switch opens a valve, lets air in the tank, pressurizes the tank, and the fuel goes up a little tube and goes out the back. So there's no electrical device that pumps the fuel. It's all air pressure from flying. So I believe the distance from the prop to the ground, I believe, is 11 inches. I believe it's 11, 11 and a half inches. So as long as we have a full strut, we can lose the strut and we won't tip the prop. If we lose the strut and the tire, we're going to tip the prop. So that's how critical it is. Uh, the distance from that prop to the ground, and that was one of the modifications they made. They weren't worried about that in the day because this was a military aircraft and it really wasn't expected to come back. So that's just the way it was built. Because of these big props, they wanted the power and they discounted the distance on the ground. Uh, we cannot take the airplane and start it in grass or dirt. We have to be pulled up on a pavement. Uh, because if the wheels sink or if we lose a strut and the wheel sinks or we're in mud, then we can't start the engines. So uh, that's one of the things that we have to do other than other A26s or B26s can start on the grass. We can't. So it's a, a unique thing about the airplane. Uh, 
the the engines themselves uh, I don't know whether if you can see it, but the, the space in between the front cylinders, right behind that space is where the rear cylinder is. So that's how the airflow gets to the back of the cylinders, right through that area between each front cylinder. So of course the back cylinders are the ones that get the hottest. So they, they stay hot more than the front ones. Uh, they do get enough air to cool. Uh, of course we've got cylinder head temp, oil temp, that we can monitor. So we keep a good eye on it. Uh, like I said, these are cut down DC-6 props. Those props were huge, long, very long. I think I think it's 14 feet on these. Uh, I believe it's 14 feet across. Plenty of air. <laughs> Let's go check out the interior. So we enter from the back of the bomb bay. Watch your head. This is the crew ladder that we use to get in and out of the cockpit. Raise it up. Let it down. It's kind of narrow up here, so you have to kind of turn sideways a little bit. And you have to climb over the top of the seat. Slide over underneath the backbone. Get in that seat. All right, here we are. Okay, so this is a dual control B26. You have full operating controls on the left and the right side, including brakes and rudder pedals on the right side. So back in the war, they would fly with a pilot and navigator, and the navigator knew how to fly the airplane, land it. So Today, we fly with pilot, co-pilot, and right back here, we fly with the flight engineer. So the flight engineer's job is to do all the checklists, make sure the, the pilots are up to date on their information, and the FE monitors all this right here, both engines, fuel flow, torque pressure of the props, so all that has to be watched. The airplane is now equipped with two Garmin G5s. Helps out navigation-wise. The airplane is full IFR, and we, we do fly IFR. Over on the co-pilot side, you've got your regular steam gauges, and we have two brand new AV30s here uh, that you can program uh, any way you want. Uh, you can do horizon, you can do track, you can do whatever you want to with them. Great, great pieces of equipment. Uh, the center pedestal, throttles, props, mixtures. These are your, your locks for your control locks, your trim, up and down. These are for the air scoops right outside on the top of the engine. That was another modification done later uh, because the engine was needing more air. So that's what they did with that. This controls a flap that comes up and down on here. We can control that in flight. This is your emergency air brake lever. It's safety wired with a copper breakaway wire. If we lose hydraulic 
for any reason we don't have brake pressure, then this handle will be pulled to the center position, and then basically you just take and you start applying pressure, just like a handle, like a brake handle. That's what it is. So we're carrying uh, an extended bottle with more nitrogen in it. We travel with about 800 PSI. There's a gauge in the right rear well. This is the emergency air brake pressure gauge for the cockpit. That's on the checklist. So that's checked twice. So as long as we're in between the red, we're good. So that means we can stop the airplane if we lose hydraulic pressure. We do have the gun sight. Uh, we're lucky to have that. It does light up. So we put it on for air shows and stuff. We don't travel with it. Uh, on the mount, just in case we have an emergency, you don't want to like have to worry about that getting in the way. <laughs> uh, this is your ordnance panel here. Uh, it's for all the wings, the bomb bay. Uh, this would be for your gun select, your master arm switch, your bomb bay doors open and close, bomb bay jettison. Uh, if they needed to jettison the bombs for any reason and the wing jettison if there's any reason you have to jettison everything on the wings airplanes are quick with the fire handles so left and right number one number two engine if you pull these handles it will disperse the fire bottle it will cut off all the liquids to the engine and it will cut off the hydraulic fluid so you have no oil fuel or hydraulic fluid going to the engine so that takes all that out of the loop uh, we're flying with a Garmin 650, which is very nice. This is some of the old nav and comm radio stack here that's been left in the airplane, as with this over here. Uh, the canopy release in an emergency is right here. It's also safety-wired copper breakaway wire. So what happens if we're landing or whatever... Um, we have to pull this, so these canopies are pinned right here in these, these little brackets. There's little pins that hold this on. It pulls this pin and the rear pin on each side, and the canopy, you just push them off. So the canopies just fall off the airplane. Uh, as long as you're pulling that all the way, it releases these handles because this is the locked position of the canopy handles right here. This is how we fly. So these handles would, you pull this, it pushes those handles down, pulls all the pins out, and the canopies fall off the airplane. And then you egress, ever how you need to egress out of the airplane. The emergency gear release handles, we have two here for the mains. Left and right main is right here. So... If something happens and we can't get the landing gear down, you basically, you're going to pull these handles. It takes the uh, up locks off and the, the gear free falls. The emergency release handle for the nose gear is right here by the pilot's right knee. So it's right here on the side of the pedestal. That takes care of the emergency part of it. So here is your fuel selectors, your left and right fuel selectors for the mains, the tips, and the auxiliary. We don't have a Bombay tank for ferry. This is your rudder trim, and this is your aileron trim. This is for the emergency Bombay door opening. So it's on system now. If we have to do the, the Bombay doors to get out of the airplane, we have to turn this, 
there is a handle right in back there, a little hatched handle. That little handle right there has to be pulled, and then we can open the Bombay doors without worrying about anything else. They'll automatically come open. Uh, we cruise at about a little over 200 knots, usually, in the airplane. Uh, the airplane's capable of a lot faster. Uh, Takeoff, manifold pressure is about 48 with full props, 48. 48 inches of manifold pressure. We have done 51 on a shorter runway. So uh, very powerful engines and props to get us off. So all the ordnance, of course, produces drag. So we can't go into real short fields. We, we have to pick our fields in places that we're going to go to to land and take off. Gap seals are on all the control surfaces. It makes the airplane fly so much better as far as the controls. They're so much smoother and more responsive. You don't have that airflow going up in between, buffeting and all that. It's just a, it's just a slipstream of air. So the, the control surface works very well. When Onmark did these airplanes in 1964, they knew what they were doing. They, uh, they knew what they needed, and they needed, knew what they needed for the mission, uh, and that's what they produced. Douglas, of course, produces a good airplane anyway, so they took Douglas's airplane, and then they just remodified it to what this is right here. They only built 40 of these airplanes. That's all they were contracted for. This is number 40, and is the only B-26K in the world flying. This is the only one left. There's five or six of them static in museums. There's one up at uh, Ellsworth that we just got back from. There's one Air Force Museum, one at Hurlburt where these airplanes were done with training, uh, and a few more other places, but they will never fly. Uh, most of them are outside, which is terrible. So we're very proud to uh, be a part of this airplane for the, uh, for the Vietnam vets and all the veterans. Uh, that's what we're for. Uh, you want to go up top? Yeah. Look at the top. All right, we'll do that. So the way I get up top is I'll climb back out. I stand on the top of this seat, and I climb out on that way. All right, we're on the wing. Of course, this is the tip tank. That's where we fuel the tip tank at the red cap. It's 165 gallons, 155 usable in the tank that we can use. There's always residual in the bottom of the wing. I mean, the bottom of the tip tank. Cole, he's my miracle child. So how does your miracle child get cancer? How does that happen? There was a, uh, a mass, uh, basically a tennis ball-sized tumor at the, the base, of his, uh, base of his brain. Uh, we were then rushed over to our local children's hospital, and that's when they told us that he had cancer. Couldn't believe that something that big was inside his little head. And everybody always says the worst sentence in the world is you have cancer, and it's not. The worst sentence in the world is your child has cancer. Just reached out to St. Jude. St. Jude knew exactly what was happening. They already had a clinical trial going on. The discoveries that St. Jude makes are shared freely around the world. What was important to me was knowing that anything that we did would help future kids because no child should die of cancer ever. We never got a bill from St. Jude ever, nor will we ever. Thanks to generous donors like you, families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. 
so they can focus on helping their child live. Nobody expects their child to get diagnosed with cancer. But then when they are, you are so grateful that there's a place like St. Jude. We were just treated from the very beginning like family. I think it's um, the most worthwhile place to put your money when it comes to childhood cancer. Join with your debit or credit card right now, and we'll send you this St. Jude t-shirt that you can proudly wear to show your support. If it were St. Jude, then the people who would donate and give money, I, I wouldn't have my boy. With Beachbound.com, you can be bound for discovery. Where the paved road ends, you're just getting... All right, right here, this is the main fuel tank, right here. So we'll open that panel, and there's the, the cap down in there. Uh, holds 300 gallons of fuel, the mains do. This is the panel for the auxiliary tank. The auxiliary tank is between here and the fuselage. It's a 100-gallon tank. Here is uh, where we check the oil. So we'll pull this panel up. There's a dipstick in there. Uh, we have to check the oil 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes after shutdown. So that's when we need to be checking the oil. And, of course, the oil filler cap is in there in case we need to add oil. Uh, it's the same way on the other side. We could fly, with all the tanks full, we can fly with 1,100 gallons of fuel. That's what we can carry. Uh, oil filler here for the engine. The oil tank for each engine is right here, the 30-gallon tank I was talking about, so that feeds directly into the tank. So here's a good, uh, good shot of the uh, Congo Mod Scoop uh, that I was talking about in the cockpit. We can operate that with those blue handles down there on the pedestal your exhaust stacks that go around and once again the tip tank out there you fill it with the red cap How hot does it get up here? it's very hot up here after the airplane shuts down me or someone else has to get up here doing all this uh, checking the oil and fueling and so you're up here a good while I mean if we're low on fuel uh, you know we're, we're talking two, three hundred gallons of fuel for the mains. It takes a little while to get the fuel in this airplane, plus the oil, uh, and it's hot. It's real hot. These are the spar straps, the stainless steel straps that I was talking about here on the upper part of the wing. They go all the way out to the tip, and they go all the way into the spar uh, inside. So they're, they're sandwiched. The wing is actually sandwiched. The front and rear spar is sandwiched. Uh, that's what gives it its, its strength. We have over 25,000 man-hours on the airplane at restoration, and it was 10 years, so I got in kind of in the middle. So, But I'm glad I became part of it. It's become a passion for me. I mean, it's like, good Lord, I can't stop doing this, you know. I got to do this. I got to make sure of that. I just take it personally. I just do. I've worked for American for 21 years out there at Alliance, so... I mean, I'm just geared for that. I love airplanes. So I'm just geared for that, you know. I'm glad to uh, be able to do this to explain the airplane to everybody. I hope all of you enjoy it.
We have a Facebook page. It's A26 Special K. You can get on the Facebook page and see the videos that we have on there and there's special little stories. Uh, you can donate on that page. It'll give you an address to donate. We appreciate any donations we get because this is a nonprofit. It's all by donations. Uh, all of us don't get paid to work on the airplane, but we're glad to do it. Uh, I'm very proud and very honored to be with the airplane. So, and I know all of us are. We're all crew members, so all of us have a little specialties, but we're all crew members, so that's what makes it good. So thank you very much, and hope you enjoy it. Okay, everybody, that was our episode on the B-26 Marauder. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thank you again to Chuck Kennedy for uh, coming on our podcast and talking about this uh, wonderful uh, bomber uh, aircraft that was used. Uh, we thank you him for coming on. Thank you to Aaron Johnston um, for uh, his hard work in prepping the uh, video. Uh, rights will go to him. Uh, so everybody, that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to follow me on my socials, including Instagram, Aviation Avenue Pod. Subscribe to my and uh, YouTube, uh, Aviation Avenue. Uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash aviation avenue uh, make sure to use listener support using the uh, link in any podcast platform and um, yeah we hope you guys uh, enjoyed that this week and we'll talk to you uh, later so long for now everyone <laughs>